and welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. In this episode, we're going to be discussing Chapter 8 from our book, Customer Satisfaction. And that's about keeping the score, Stephen. It is. And I'm sure it was Mr Drucker who said, what gets measured gets managed. Yeah, and I think uh, we broadly agree with that. You, you need somehow to have a score that summarises how good a job you're doing at meeting customer needs. Very interesting, isn't it? Because it's even the word measurement. Mm. You know, we talk about customer satisfaction, measurement. And in this chapter, we're going to be talking about numbers versus words. And it is one of those things that to measure anything, I think it's got to be a number. Yeah. Um... I, I love the look on your face. Yeah, right <laughs> yeah. it's when I'm debating um, kind of how deep into the weeds that I should aim to go. Oh, so I mean, if you, a bit into the weeds. If you wanted to go sort of wildly down the the weedy route, um, some people believe there is no such thing as measurement in psychology. The, the whole endeavour of psychometrics is is flawed, and measurement per se only exists within the hard sciences within physics and so forth. Right. There's a guy, for example, called Denny Ballsboom, who writes really interestingly about the challenges of, of, of measuring things in psychology. Um, it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable for us because, in a way, um, our entire business rests on the idea that you can measure things in psychology. Uh, but, you know, it, it's important to read these things and reflect on them and, and think about how we could do it as well as possible. So... <laughs> That, that's that's the deepest we could go into the weeds. If we retract slightly from that, then then you get into the kind of the, the thing underpinning the idea of measurement is that because of what well, any measurement has a kind of true element and a and a false element, yeah. an error bit, yeah. and what we're trying to do is minimise the amount of error or correct for the fact that there's some error, and there are different ways to go about doing that. So I think it, it is probably always a little bit naive. Well, it'd be naive to think you're, you can measure anything without error. The traditional way to approach minimising it is to measure something in more than one way, and one way or another sort of average across those measurements yeah. to, to minimise error, because you're measuring it in a few different ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to words versus numbers, what what the number, I think, gives you is a kind of it helps to make sure that everyone's kind of using the question in, in a broadly similar way. So, you know, I'm giving a, a score out of 10, you're giving a score out of 10. Working out an average on a numerical scale makes some sense because we're doing, we're working with numbers, if you like. Whereas what's the average of very satisfied and quite satisfied seems a bit yeah. of an odd thing to do. Yeah. The, with the, even with the inconsistency of numbers, it does allow you to plot change. That would be one of the advantages that if you can see scores going higher or up or lower or or, or down, it's giving you a a message and a, a message and a meaning. Yeah, and I think you know, one advantage of a numerical scale is that it it lets you work out very easily uh, an average score and see if that's going up or down. With a verbal scale, I don't think it really makes sense to work out an average score. So you're reduced to looking at movements of percentages. And for reasons we'll probably go on to discuss, that they tend to be 
very crude and often quite flattering. For that reason, it is a lot easier to understand trends with an average score from a numerical scale. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So let's talk a, a, a little bit about numbers versus verbal. I mean, the next chapter, we'll, we'll consider more things about the questionnaire in terms of length and making sure questions aren't ambiguous and, and, mm. and, and all that sort of stuff. Because I, I, I know some of the verbal scales I mean, particularly something like the Likert scale, I really quite like because it's a nice bold statement and I just have to pick somewhere with my agreement or disagreement on it. And it feels like you're making quite a, a strong, this is my view. Yeah. And it feels quite easy to do as a respondent. It's easy to do. Uh, I think I have no issue whatsoever with Likert scales. Mm. I think the trouble is they don't work for measuring customer satisfaction. So... Your traditional, the traditional way to approach measurement in psychology is to say, we'll, we'll develop a scale. So we'll address those issues around measurement and error by measuring the same basic underlying concept using three or four or five statements that can be agreed or disagreed with. Yeah. And those statements will be easy and, and recognisable for the person, whereas the concept might be quite difficult and nebulous. So, for example, one of the famous scales in psychology is the ocean scale of personality, which measures, you know, all of us have a set of characteristics according to that scale, where we're either very open or perhaps a little bit more kind of reserved, or we might be neurotic, or we might be relatively sort of right. well-balanced, whatever the opposite of neurotic is, and so on and so forth. Extrovert or introvert. Yeah. It would be naive to approach that by saying, score me on a scale of 1 to 10 between very introvert and very extrovert. So instead, what we do is say, well, a set of statements like, I enjoy going out to parties, or yeah. I like having a quiet evening in with a book. I'm making those up, but, but those sorts of things. Yeah. And each of those is, is scored on a five-point verbal scale, usually, a Likert scale. And in, importantly, there's a balance between ones that are positive and ones and that, that are negative. negative. And that's not always politically correct in, or, or acceptable in doing a customer so in, in survey. Satisfaction surveys were not... None of those things apply. We're not measuring a big nebulous concept such as whether we're extrovert or introvert. We're measuring specific details about the customer experience. Yeah. So rather than looking at facets of a, of a deeper, you know, unmeasurable variable, we're looking at detailed elements of things that really happened and combining them together sometimes. So yeah. it's a different logic. And I think for that reason, the Likert scale as well as it being impossible to say, you know, how much do you agree that the plates in the restaurant were filthy and the yeah. waiter was surly, uh, as, as well as the difficulty of wording things like that, the basic logic of what you're measuring is different, and therefore you can't simply copy and paste. What works very well for psychology yeah. uh, studies doesn't work well for satisfaction. Every day is like a school day with you. It's great to learn something. That's really interesting, and it makes perfect sense. Because I sort of come up the angle, well, so what do you want the output to be, words or numbers? And really, everyone really wants the output to be numbers because I, I can plot it, I can measure it, I can benchmark it, and I can do averages, I can link it to other numbers that we've got on databases, whether it's spend or... The, the, you, you can do so much with numbers, modelling, all that sort of stuff. So if you want the output to be numbers, the input has got to be numbers. And I think that really then even trumps the argument, yes, but what is a 7 out of 10? To me, it's an average score. To you, it's a high score. But it doesn't matter. It's a 7. And we're not into the um, semantics of 
words, and even the words, I'm, I'm going on a bit here, but even the word satisfaction has different meanings. <laughs> and even when you start putting that across different languages, then it complicates it even more. But I think, you know, if you want numbers coming out, you've got to have numbers going in. And yep. that's the best way of getting there. Yeah, and yeah, likewise, if you want words coming out, you, you probably need words coming. If you want to say what percentage of customers are satisfied, well, you can't really do that with a numerical scale. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you know, six out of ten and above. Yeah, yeah it's, not it's really. Genius, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes perfect. That that makes perfect sense. And I think that's probably ultimately why the more scientific, the larger bits of research, if we think probably the largest bits of research or customer satisfaction research on the planet, the American Customer Satisfaction Index, um, University of Michigan going over 20 years now, 300,000 um, responses across 46 sectors, 10-point numeric scale just seems to just seems to make sense. That, the UK Customer Satisfaction Index, yeah. which has been going for 11-ish years yeah. now with lots of responses i've done my homework as equally but lots and lots of responses again it's on a 10 point scale net promoter score obviously for those of you who are familiar yeah. with that is on a 10 point scale customer effort score not always but often yeah. is on a 10 point scale and i think to be honest since we published this book the argument has pretty much been won i think so yeah i think there's also that thing about giving a score out of 10 everyone feels comfortable doing it it's whether it's down to the abacus or count the fingers as you're coming up as a child learning you, you know to count your first set of counting is up to you know is is up to 10 that just makes perfect sense and i also think equally i, I used to use this in our seminars you know a lot different newspapers score football players mm. on a 10 point scale whether it's the sun newspaper or the times or the local Huddersfield examiner, they give a score out of 10, and it sort of means something to everyone. Of and perhaps, whilst a 7 might be an 8, or an 8 might be a 7, the interpretation of a 7 or an 8, we all slightly know what that means, and will be different to an interpretation of a 2 or a 3. Mm. Yeah. And again, it comes up to this idea that when you measure, there's always some error. So... Yeah, maybe the seven should have been an eight, and maybe the seven should have been a six, but the seven probably is very rarely going to be a one. Absolutely. Um, and I think yeah, the, the other thing that's probably worth just emphasising is that apart from all the kind of theoretical reasons to prefer a 10-point scale, and I think there are lots of them, one of the, the real worries for me with the five-point verbal scale in particular is, as a chapter unpacks in quite a lot of detail, organizations tend to be kidding themselves for a couple of reasons. So first of all, you have what we call the courtesy four. I was trying to get that phrase in before you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to say it? The courtesy four. Talk That's a good about point, the... Greg. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought up the courtesy four. Uh, so the courtesy four is the name we give for people who give satisfied on a five-point verbal scale, uh, where four is satisfied and five is completely satisfied, very satisfied. And the reason it's so damning is that with a five-point verbal scale, there's very little room all customer satisfaction survey results tend to be skewed towards the top end of the scale. That's why they're your customers. Because most organisations are kind of okay. A lot of people won't give you the top box score. Not quite as many as people believe, but some people yeah. won't. And therefore, the only positive answer left is the four. So that covers, if you like, everything from, on a 10-point scale, everything from six to nine, effectively. Yeah. Everything from it was just about all right to it was really, really good. Yeah. You lose that granularity. And it, what 
what you see is that the vast majority of customers, or certainly the largest minority of customers, will end up in the four box on a five-point verbal yeah. scale for almost everyone. The word that I think is worth repeating that is that granularity. And I know we've all done it when someone t talks to us about the five-point verbal scale, and you can very confidently say, well, I think your score is somewhere between 3.9 and 4.2. And people look at you in amazement, because everyone's score is between 3.9 and 4.2. But the real difficulty is if you're going to convert that words to numbers, and if you want to use that as a measurement, it's difficult to get above 4.2 because you haven't got the granularities, the granularities on the 6, 7, 8, 9, those four options, you're fighting against, there is only one, app, one option. And where that really makes a difference is when you start looking at what drives customer loyalty you need to be getting towards that top box. Four covers too wide a range to say that that's, it might be covering someone's ultimate score, the perfect score, because they're not going to give you five out of five because you can always do it better. But as you say, it, it might also be covering someone who thinks you are better than neither satisfied nor dissatisfied, but is a long way off no. the loyalty behaviors we're actually after. One of the big problems I think with the verbal scale is people you know, rightly thinking it's not, not correct to turn this into an average score, think, well, okay, we need some sort of summary measure of, of how we're doing. So what they do is a percent satisfied. They add up satisfied yeah. and totally satisfied, and they'll get to a really big number. 98% of our customers are satisfied. And what we've seen again and again and again is when you, you, work, when you translate people from a five-point verbal to a 10-point numerical, is that 95% you know, satisfied doesn't equate to happy customers. No. Uh, you can actually have a satisfaction index in the bottom half of our league table and have 95% satisfied. Um, it's a very, very weak measure, and it, it, I think it's a real trap for a lot of organizations yeah. that it looks like customers like you, but they really, uh, at best, Mediocre. they quite like you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a really yeah. weak measure. A less of a trap would be to say percent of top box scoring if you really want mm. to try and focus on those key loyalty, those key loyalty behaviours. Mm. I have thought before about um, where people want to score beyond the 1 to 10. What about taking a score from 100? There is, so there's a lot of, uh, as you'd imagine, academic literature about the perfect I'm number sure of points. Read most of it as well, so I've read enough of it that I don't want to read any more. Certainly, what an interesting life you have. Um, and the, the problem basically is that as you increase the number of points on a scale, you increase the the granularity. Um, so the, the if you like the the apparent accuracy, the precision, if you like. Yeah. But you, but you reduce. Well, sorry, you increase the likelihood that I'm going to make a mistake. So that you know, my inner true score is 83, but I write down 85. Uh, whereas both of those would become an eight. You know, it, yeah. so it it becomes more prone, arguably, to kind of confusion and error, yeah. as well as just being a bit overwhelming for the respondent. Interestingly, it doesn't feel as easy to be that precise. One to ten, I can answer it quickly. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's an eight. It's a nine. It's a two. It's a three. I I, I can land them quickly. But if you give me a hundred, I'm thinking, mm, is it an eight or a nine? And I, I'm starting, I think, to overthink a little bit. 85 midpoint, is it? No, and you know, it's I think what's not getting 
to what I mean. I'm now trying to put some logic behind my feelings. It's a it's a good indication, I think, of how natural the ten point scale is actually. Yeah. Because it we we'd never use a hundred point scale for satisfaction, but what we do sometimes do is a point share. Yeah. And when you do a point share, what you'll see, is, if you sort of plot a histogram of, uh, of a point share, you'll see spikes around the even numbers. So around the multiples of 10 and to a lesser extent multiples of 5. Yeah. Because we don't think in the fine gradations. We think, first of all, in the big chunks of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and then a little bit of oh, maybe 35. Um, so what we tend to do, and obviously it slightly depends how many things there are. So if you've got yeah. four things in a point share, they're going to average out to 25%. Yeah. There'll be a lot of 25s in there. But yeah, you see that the pattern of responses on a point share, I think, shows you that we naturally do the sort of... I think we work a digit at a time. Yeah. So I'm, we'll do the, you know, the first digit first and then maybe adjust it a bit. Yeah. I would completely agree. I cannot have the volume on my telly anything other than ending in a 5 and a 0. <laughs> it just doesn't feel right to have your volume at 37. Mine's on 14. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think in some ways that sums us both up. <laughs> can you hear the telly on a 14? <laughs> you can on mine. It'll go quite a small living room. All yeah. oh, right. Okay. Um, that's been much more interesting than I thought it was. Oh, good. No, hopefully what we've done is made an interesting discussion there about basically if you want to get numbers coming out, you're probably best to put numbers in. Uh, be really careful and it's probably a no-no to convert words to numbers. Equally, it's a no-no converting numbers to words. You're starting to alter with people's meanings there. Um, but that really concludes chapter on keeping the score. Yeah, and I think the takeaway for me is it's not the be-all and end-all for everything, but if you're measuring satisfaction, a 10-point numerical scale is established as the best, the most reliable, and actually the most benchmarkable measure you can use. Um, so why would you do anything else? Yeah, I'd give us 8 out of 10 for the podcast on this chapter. Absolutely. Thanks, Greg. Uh, so thank you all very much for listening. If you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate and review us. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at tlfresearch.com. Next time, we'll be talking about the questionnaire and having a good questionnaire. And that puts us halfway through the book. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm.